All right. Well, good morning. It, it's amazing to me that um, finally we're at the end of Acts. If you've been around at all, we started this, I think, back in February um, to get through the book of Acts. And now we're finally kind of at the end and, and wrapping it all up. And what I've, I've said this before, what, what I love about the book of Acts, and it's one of my favorite things about the book of Acts, is that it is a story that doesn't end. Um, it's the only book in the Bible that doesn't have an epilogue, that doesn't have like an ending to it. In fact, it just continues on. And what that tells me is that we are still living this story. It's a never-ending story. Until Christ returns, we are still living this story out, that we are going through it and we are still part of his church in this movement that started so, so long ago. And so I'm excited that um, it's the end of this book, but it's not the end of the story. At least I, that's what my prayer, because if it's the end of the story, we need to close the door. We're done. It's not the end of the story. We continue on this. And so this morning, um, I'm excited. As we kind of finish up with this, um, it started with kind of chaos in the beginning of Acts and just craziness, Christ leaving, and it kind of ends that way also in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 27. If you don't have Bibles, we have them around everywhere. Just grab one. Um, if you don't have one or you can't find yours, put your name in that. You can have it as a gift from us. If you'd rather use your electronic device, again, you can um, log in to our Wi-Fi. It says GBC Guest and just type in Find More, all lower caps. But as always and forever, again, this morning, these are the only words that matter. Nothing that I say, nothing that we've sung, anything we've watched makes any difference. It's these words that mean everything. Um, this is the only authority we have to be a church, to be here this morning, for me to stand here. And so out of respect for that, and I've acknowledged that, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we read starting in verse 21 in Acts 27. Dr. Luke writes this. He says, when the 14th night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea, and about midnight the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took soundings and found it to be 120 feet deep, and when they had sailed a little farther and sounded again, they found it to be 90 feet deep. Then fearing we might run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Did I pass it? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I jumped ahead. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. So let's back up to verse 21. And let's start again. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage, because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night an angel of God, of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe that God that I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. But we have to run aground on some island. Now let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Um, thank you that um, God, in the midst of the storms and in the craziness of our lives, you are right in there with us. God, when everything just seems to be being tossed about, when it seems hopeless, God, we can still rest in the fact that you are in control, that our hope and our trust can lie in you, God, and we, it will never, ever, ever come back void. God, I pray this morning as we um, continue this journey that you started so long ago, Lord, 
as your church, as we continue to move forward and keep pressing forward for your kingdom and your glory, say, God, would you just encourage us this morning? Would you challenge us this morning? God, would you take these words and, and let them be yours, not mine? God, I know you have something to say to me. You have something to say to each one of us. God, you knew everyone that would be here this morning. And so, Father, we just simply ask you have your way. God, anything that needs to be dealt with, let it be dealt with this morning. God, I pray for ears to hear, for hearts to respond, and for the courage and the boldness to live it outside these walls. God, we love you. We thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence this morning. Now, again, just have your way, God. Change us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So that was my one mistake this year, so we're good. There won't be any more. Um, we're, 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 we're all set, but... The fact of the matter is, is there are storms in our lives. Would you agree? There are things that pop up, and there are things that happen, and, and they're inevitable. There are storms that are going to come. Some are just quick squalls. They kind of come in and blow out, and it's done. They do a little bit of damage, and we get to go on. But some storms, man, they just rage on and on and on in our lives, and it just feels like, man, this is never going to end. You know, just just to back you up a little bit and a little background. Last time we saw Paul, he was in Jerusalem. They were out to get him. He claimed Roman citizenship, and so they're going to send him to Rome. So he literally is going to be able to stand before the Roman uh, Caesar, the the emperor. And, and tell his case. In the meantime, he's talked to the other officials. He's been continuously sharing the gospel. He's moving and moving this way. And so he knows that it's probably not going to look good for him. You, you think about it, he's basically in prison. He knows that Rome is not going for Jesus. They're not going for Christianity. The Jews are against Christianity. So all the odds are stacked against him. And so he gets on this boat. If you know anything about sailing, which I don't, so I read a little bit about sailing. Back then, those boats were not the greatest boats in the world. We are not talking about the Disney Cruise Line. There was not a water slide and a buffet that you could eat forever. They were rickety little boats, and their practice was to stay as close to the coast as possible because storms can just come up at any time. If you know anything about the Mediterranean, they, they just whip up. They'll come off the Sahara, and it will just whip up a storm in the Mediterranean. Out of nowhere, things happen. And isn't that what happens to us sometimes? We're just going along, enjoying the breeze, just floating along, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this is what's happening to Paul. And so we know storms are coming. And that's exactly what happens here. And so back up a little bit to verse 9. So th they're traveling. And, and so we know that the weather is starting to turn. There, there's seasons that are good for sailing back then. There's seasons that are not good for sailing. So in verse 9 it says, By now much time had passed. They were already at one port. And the voyage was already dangerous. Since the Day of Atonement was already over, Paul gave his, his advice and told them, Men, I can see that this voyage is headed towards disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. Since the harbor was un unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete facing the southwest and northwest, and to winter there. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchored and sailed along the shore of Crete. But before long, a fierce wind 
called the Northeaster, rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running uh, under the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship, fearing they would run around, run aground on the Syrtis. They lowered the drift anchor, and in this way they were driven along. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and, and a, the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. Ever been there? That storm hits. Out of nowhere, it just comes. And here's Paul sitting here, knowing that he's going probably to argue for his life. The last thing he probably needs is a hurricane. <laughs> but isn't that what it feels like sometimes? Like there's one little thing that happens or one thing happens and then it gets piled on and piled on and piled on and piled on. And the truth of the matter is, is storms in our life, if they're there long enough, they kill hope, don't they? So how could Paul... Be so bold and calm during this entire time. How can we be calm and, 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 and not just lose it all? You know, I, I work right now in pretty a high-stress environment. And stuff where, where a lot of times I'm in our command center. And if you, you don't know anything about it, like a command and control center, we have, for those of you going to Universal, I'm just telling you now, we have cameras everywhere. And I'll find you. <laughs> I will find you. Even if you don't tell me what day you're coming, I'll still find you. <laughs> and there's stuff going off all the time. And, and this is how usually my day goes up there. You go in, I sit in this little dark room with monitors everywhere, with a computer in front of me, with an alarm system next to me, with a little call box for people that get lost in the garage. But by the way, take a picture where you parked, please. <laughs> Stop calling me, because <laughs> they're just buzzing all the time. We don't know where we parked here. No, yeah, okay. So take a picture where you parked. But this, the telephone, everything, and it will just be quiet. In fact, that's a word they don't like us to use in that command center because they, they're all like superstitious. And it's like you never say quiet or peaceful in the command center because as soon as you do, everything pops off. This week, sitting there, everything was just wonderful. Nothing was going on. I'm like, oh, I got time to do a little reading. I can study my sermon stuff a little bit. And all of a sudden, hey, we need health services here. And then another person, we need another health services here. Someone fell, and they got their arm stuck in the escalator, and it's tearing the skin off. And, and we've got this. And, oh, by the way, there's a fight happening over here. And, like, nine things happen all at once. Just explode. That's our life, isn't it? Now, there are people that I know that have been in there when that happens, and all they do is they just sit there, and they get that deer in the headlights look, and they just freeze. Those people don't work there anymore because <laughs> you still have to function. You still have to go on. So how, how, how do we do this? And I think there's some things that Paul tells us about how we can have assurance in the storms in our life because he's facing a huge one. And I think that's a great way as we finish Acts and the story continues with us, as we continue to move forward, and it's like, how do we get the kingdom spread? And God, what are we supposed to do? Get this church to kind of grow and be more steady and, and help more churches plant and, and reach more people. It just seems so overwhelming. There are things that we can know that we can trust God and things that we can do. And so let's look at verse 21 through 26 real quick. 
And I really want to give you some practical things this morning that I think will help us have assurance in the storm. So starting at verse 21, it says, Now since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. You ever heard that? That's basically Paul saying, I told you so. (laughs) It's so funny. Sometimes people will speak into us, and we know they're right, but we just don't want to listen to them because it's the wrong person. So Paul tells them, like, hey, I told you so. Now in verse 22, now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives but only the ship. Did I go too far? I'm there. I'm just not with it this morning. For last night, an angel of God, of the God I belong to, served and stood by me and said, Don't be afraid. Paul, it is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men. I believe, God, that it will be just the way it was told to me. But we have to run aground from some island. So we see Paul that's just standing here. He's like, no biggie. No biggie. No biggie at this. Oh. Jump over to verse 33. He said, when it was about daylight, the storm, they knew things were happening. He says, when it was about daylight, urged them to t- all to take food, saying, today is the 14th day that you've been wanting, waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. So I urge you to take some food, for this is for your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. So the very first thing Paul is telling them, He's like, all right, I know it looks bad, but the very first thing I love that he's telling me, he's like, you know, you need to take care of yourself. You, you, you need to eat something. You've gone all these nights. You're going crazy. There are some of them that decided like, hey, we're going to take one of the little boats and we're just going to try to make a run for it and everything. And good for them. The centurion actually cut the ropes off the boat and let it drop the little skiff that they had because they would have died. But he's like, okay, now eat. I know it's been crazy and the storm's gone and we don't know what's going to happen, but I'm telling you, this is the promise that God gave me. So now you need to eat something. How often do we get in stressful situation? How often do we get into something that seems overwhelming and the first thing that we stop taking care of is ourselves? Do you know God cares about your health? Do you know that? God cares that if you're getting enough sleep. God cares if you're getting enough exercise. God cares if you're eating right. We live in a culture that is obese because we have stopped taking care of ourselves. No wonder we have so many people that are dealing with depression and stress because we stopped taking care of ourselves. And so know this, that in the storms, you are going to be better suited if you are taking care of yourself. Very practical this morning. If you are exercising, going for walks, if you're eating right, if you're getting sleep. In fact, the Bible even talks about this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, Paul talks a little bit. He says, Do you, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. We're supposed to take care of this. And it is a way that we glorify God. And and so what we eat and what we do and what we watch, all those things that deal with our insides and and how we function is important. And if you want to be able to face the storms like Paul with confidence, with assurance, man, it's got to start there. And I got to tell you, I'm horrible at this. Listen, I love bacon. I love 
ice cream. In fact, we can't buy ice cream because if it sits in my freezer for more than a day, then it's been there too long. And I'm not talking about the little Ben and Jerry's. I'm talking about the full-time thing. I'm the guy that sits there with a spoon on my day off going, let's watch a movie. (laughs) It's not good for you. Take care of yourselves. God gave you this body. And praise God that one day we're getting a new one. That it's not going to creak and ache anymore. I mean, literally, when I get out of bed, it sounds like a drum roll every morning. (laughs) Because everything's popping. And God's going to get, but this is the one we have right now. And and I love that he says, glorify God with your body. And so the very first thing, if you want to have assurance in the storm, you need to take care of something. These guys were of no use if they didn't eat food. Because they were going to have to swim here pretty soon. Next thing, we need to trust God's promises. Can I ask you something? Do you really trust God? The answer to that question is when the hardest things happen in your life, are you still sitting there saying, okay, I trust God? Because it's easy on this side. It's easy when everything, the sun is shining, everything's going well. It's like, oh, I trust God. Praise God. Woo Yeah. Woo. Amen. It's easy to do that. But when the stuff hits the fan, what's your first reaction? Yeah. God, why? You know, where, where, what, where, what, this, oh. Let me tell you something. There's a couple of promises that Jesus made before he left. One of them is that you and I will face storms. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. We live countercultural to everything. Everything about this planet and this culture and this world is moving as fast as it can away from God. In God's plan, God's design, God's will. If you don't believe that, just listen to the news for five minutes. When someone can stand on a platform and says, you can still abort a baby after full term and not think that's murder, there is something wrong with our culture. We are going as fast and as far away and as followers of Christ, we are... It's fish upstream. Again, I, I know I talk a lot about it, but Universal, if you've ever been there at exit time when the parks close and, and we only have one exit and they're all coming this way, it is, it's like it's pinball trying to get through there if you're trying to get through because it's just going up. You're going against the flow of traffic. That's what we are doing. So I promise you that you're going to have trouble. But we can trust God in his promises. We know we can trust God. He is. You tell me one time he hasn't been faithful to you. Tell me one time when you were doing things his way and you were following his will when he wasn't faithful to you. Most of our issues is when we try to do it our way. Not his way. I love it. That's what the psalmist says. For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is trustworthy. You know what that means? That every promise we can bank on in here. When he says all things, when it's all said and done, all the trouble, all the stuff, all this stuff will work to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose in Romans. We can bank on that. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always be with you no matter what's happening. We can bank on that because God can't lie. If God lies, he cannot be God. And if God lies, then we need to go home now because this is a worthless and useless time. We can trust his word. We can trust everything that his work is, is trustworthy. 
We can bank on his promises. No matter how bleak and how dark it is, we can bank on the promises. And there are moments when Jesus steps in and he says, hush, and the storm just ends. And there are moments he says, just hold on. It's going to be rough. But I'll never leave you. This is for your good. Do you know that? We grow the most through trials. A lot more than we do when everything's good and happening right. Because those are the moments we got to lean in. You know, I remember being a young child, the safest I ever felt was when I leaned into my daddy. When I was unsure and I felt that hand touch me and hold me, I knew everything was going to be all right. It's the same way with God. We can trust his promises. We can take, we can, we can trust that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And then the last thing, if we really want assurance in storms, it comes down to this. It comes ready to be ready to do the hard thing. The hard thing for us is obedience. Sometimes the trouble that we're facing, the storms we're in, is it's, it's of our own making. Listen, I, I just want you to hear me very clearly. Not every storm and trial in your life is because of sin. Your sin. And, and uh, anybody that tells you that, hit them with a very large Bible because it's not true. Because there are things that have, we live in a fallen, broken world. I had a very dear friend that was just heartbroken because her father passed away. And she was literally told, says, well, if you would have prayed more and there wasn't sin in your life, your father would have lived. God help those people. Because they do not know the same Jesus I know. But sometimes it is. Sometimes it's we have to say, God, I messed up. God, I need to stop doing this. God, I need to give this up. God, I, need to, I haven't been doing this. By the way, I, I also love that it's not only the things we do that are sin. The Bible says if you know the good that you should do and don't do it, it's sin. It's also the things we don't do. And so we have to be ready to do the hard thing. We have to be ready. I mean, Paul, look at him. They said, listen, we're going to survive, but we're going to have to run aground. Tell a sailor that. Hey, we're going to survive, but we're going to ram your ship into a sandbar or something like that. It's like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, go on YouTube and watch videos of ships running around. There was one in Italy that hit, and you just saw it slowly go like this all the way over. It's not a pleasant thing. And sometimes God's saying, hey, you're going to have to run aground. You're going to have to give up something. This may hurt a little bit. This may sting. But I'm... It's all for your good. It's this, it's this picture of God. Is We come to him and say, God, I just want you to do everything that you need to do to make me the person I'm supposed to be. And when the bad stuff happens and the storms happen, God comes in with that chisel and he sits here and he's like, okay, we're going to chip away this, some pride. We're going to chip away this, some lust, some greed. Chip away this. You ever seen anybody with a chisel carving on a thing? It's a pretty violent process. If I was the stone, I'd be going, ow, ow. Same way with God. Sometimes we just got to say, ow. But we have to be ready to do the hard thing. 
And if you sit here and go, well, why would God ask me to do the hard thing? I tell you what, Easter's coming up. Look at the cross and tell me if there was anything harder. How arrogant are we <laughs> that we would think God's never going to ask me to do that whole thing. God never asks you to do something more than you can handle. The problem is, is we don't know what we can handle. He does. <laughs> I'll never go through more than I can handle. God, what are you doing? This is more than I can handle. And he's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And so we have to be ready to do the hard thing. Listen, 1 Peter 1.14 says, Oh, obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of, the form of your former ignorance. If you're going to be obedient, if you're going to do the hard things, then we can't do it the way we've always done it. We can't do it the way the world does it. That is the bandwagon of the church today in so many places. Well, like, hey, let's just all get along. We don't want to offend anybody, so let's just do this, and let's not talk about these things, and let's not say these words, and let's do this. And we'll just, we'll be all this stuff. And listen, I believe the church is the most inclusive group on the planet. should be that anybody should be able to walk in the doors. But we still need to call sin, sin. And we need to stand upon this word because it's trustworthy. So as obedient children, we can't do it like everyone else. In fact, we shouldn't do it like everyone else. If you're a follower of Christ, you should look different. You should act different. You should think different. It should be evident in us. We got to take care of ourselves. We got to trust God's promises completely and wholly. And we got to be ready to do the hard thing. So in the midst of all that, it sounds really good. You're like, Pastor, that's great. It's not very practical. (laughs) That's not how it really happens. And so how do we find calm? I got to thank Paul in these moments and in the other moments of life. Remember, when Paul was here, there was none of this New Testament stuff. He was writing it. (laughs) He only had the Old Testament. Anybody says, I'm a New Testament church, then they're not a real church because it's the whole thing or it's none of it. We got to take all of it. And so I think Paul was sitting here thinking about something that was probably very familiar to him, very familiar to all of us. Turn to Psalm 23. Turn to Psalms 23. I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you may be facing or what a friend is facing or a family member is facing, but I want you to hear these words. Because I believe with all my heart that on that ship, when the waves were crashing and everything was going against them, that Paul, this was going through Paul's mind and his heart. And I know you've heard it all. A lot of you probably memorized it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Do you understand that very first thing, that we have a shepherd? You know what the shepherd's job is? To keep the sheep safe. To lead them, to guide them, to always go in front of them. If you're a good shepherd, you're not in back of the sheep pushing them along. You're in front of the sheep and they're following you. Why? Because they know the shepherd's voice. Isn't that what Jesus said? My sheep know my voice. They'll hear me when I call. And they will follow. Do you know God's voice? Do you know Jesus' voice in your life? Because it's going to sound different for you than it does for me. It may be some person, it may be a scripture, it may be a song, but you, there's each of us have a way of hearing God's voice in our life. And it is, it is a, 
so important to know what that is. In fact, this year at some time we're going to be doing um, the the Bla- um, Blackaby study, experiencing God. At some point, we're going to be doing that this year, because the first part of that is just learning to hear God's voice in your own life and what that sounds like. But know this this morning: whatever you're facing, we have a shepherd, and he is the best shepherd. And he leads us. And look at verse two. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Our shepherd takes us to places where we can find peace and rest. Do you know why it says quiet waters? Because if you've ever been around sheep or anything like that, they're the most skittish animals ever. Like we sit there and listen to a rushing river and like that's so peaceful. A sheep hears that and they freak out. And sometimes the noise in our lives and the noise of this planet and this fallen world just overwhelms us. And we're like that. And so it says he leads me to green pastures where I can lie down. He leads me beside quiet waters. Jesus promises us rest and peace if we will trust him. He says, come unto me, all you are heavy laden and burdened. Cast it on me and take my yoke for it is easy and is light. I can give you rest. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. In this world you'll have trouble, but thanks be to God I have overcome the world. I give you my peace. It's there for the taking. Look at verse 3. He says, he renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. We have a shepherd that not only leads us to a place of rest and peace, that guards us and protects us. He gives us direction and strength for the journey. Even, verse 4, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He is right there in the darkest times of your life. He is standing right there with you. You are never forsaken, you are never alone. He gives you that direction. He gives you the strength. He renews when we need to be renewed. See, the problem is, is you know, the, the old, the old drill sergeant used to tell me, he says, "Jesus may have your heart, but I got your butt, son." <laughs> problem is, is sometimes that's all we do with Jesus. Like, here, Jesus, you can have my heart, but what we need to do is give him my mind, and my soul, and my strength, and all of it. Because in the mind, that's where the battle is. And so we know that we can, we can have direction that God can renew us. That's we, I think that's why Paul was, saying, was talking. He says, renew your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's our thoughts and it's all this stuff. And he goes on. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That actually means is that my cup is never empty. Like it is constantly, it's actually, in the Hebrew, it's like it's constantly overflowing. That what you need for the day, you will get for the day. It will never run dry. God's bank account never runs dry. Sometimes it just takes a little bit more faith. Maybe we're hard and we're like, oh God, I need this, I need this. And it may not be a need, it may be a want, but God will always give us what we need. It's one of the reasons in this church we don't pass an offering plate because I don't want anybody to do it out of obligation. I think it's an act of worship. And so I trust that God is going to provide everything that we need to pay rent next month and take care of all our needs. And he has since we started, and there's no reason to believe he won't until we're done. 
But I love that it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God shines through us the most in trials. So the world that doesn't know God can see like, wow, there is something different about this person. Do you understand we are enemies of the world? Of this culture, of of all this, because we stand for everything that they don't, and so we are considered enemies. And it's becoming more and more evident in people's speech and the way they're talking. I heard a politician the other day says, "I'm fighting for religious freedom of persecution." What he was saying, "I'm fighting to shut Christians up so we can do whatever I want." That's exactly what he meant, because I've heard him speak about it before. Psalm 23 says, God sets a table before us in front of our enemies. And it's not to gloat. It's not to like, hey, you guys stink. Look at me. <laughs> we got it made. It's to show that there is a God that has a better plan than what we could ever have. And it's lived out through me. And then finally, verse 6, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. I like this translation because it's not talking about like, and one day I will be in heaven. Listen, I've said this before. We need to get up. The purpose of the gospel, the goal of the gospel is not heaven. It's a benefit of the gospel. It's a benefit of salvation. The purpose of salvation and the gospel and the cross is to be reconciled to the God that made us. That's just a side benefit. That's an extra that we get heaven. And for me, I don't... Heaven can be four corners. The way this looks right now, if God's presence is here, I'm, I'm already there if I'm in his presence. And it says, man, I will, only goodness and his love will pursue me. Don't you love that? That God pursues you and me? Even when we're running away and we're doing the wrong thing, God is the one chasing after us. It was one of the favorite games of when my kids were little, chasing them around the house. And we always had a house that had like an island kitchen and stuff, and it was always fun just chasing around. And they loved that their daddy chased them. And you would hear giggles and laughs all the time. And then finally, daddy caught them, and they just giggle like, "Daddy got me! Go again!" <laughs> there were times when I was tired, and so I cheat. I'd go to the other side and say, "Here, you run into me." <laughs> Isn't it good news that our father never gets tired, and he continues to pursue us? And when we finally stop and let him catch us, we are filled with giggles and joy. Daddy caught me. This is where I should have always been. I think that's what Paul was thinking. As the storms busted and as the waves crashed over and as that ship. Because Paul, afterwards, they survived. They made it all the way. They landed on a little island named Malta. My wife and I have had the privilege of going to Malta and stuff. There is like no fresh water on Malta. It's like a rock. Every known civilization has conquered Malta. (laughs) It's everywhere. In fact, you can probably go there and they'll sell you a toothpick. Then they'll say this is part of Paul's boat. They do. Actually, there are things. (laughs) They landed on there. And if that wasn't good enough, they survived a shipwreck, and there's Paul picking up firewood, and a snake bites him. (laughs) 
And all the Maltese people, they're sitting there watching like, oh, he was a bad man. Watch what happens to him. Again, not everything bad happens to us because of sin. But Paul didn't die. Listen, I'm, we're not going to become one of those snake churches. <laughs> Don't worry about that. I actually saw an entire documentary on it one time for a pastor sitting there. They're throwing snakes everywhere. I'm like, you guys are nuts. And all of a sudden you hear the pastor like, I don't know why the snake bit me. I'm like, because you're throwing them around, you moron. <laughs> I'm going to the hospital. If I'm back next week, it's God's will. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> but the truth is, is God had a plan for Paul to stand for Caesar. Not a snake bite, not a hurricane, not anything was going to thwart that plan. Do you understand God has a plan for your life and not anything that can this world can throw at us will thwart that plan? See, because the story continues after this. In Acts 28, verse 30, 31, the last two verses of Acts, Paul is in Rome. He's getting ready to be judged and tried, and he would literally spend the rest of his life imprisoned. Never to go and visit. He would write all these letters and everything. They would start going out and all this stuff that we love so much. But it says in 30 and 31, it says, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. You know, like, well, that's not so bad under Roman guard. In fact, I think that was some of the stuff, the conversations they overheard that ended up him putting him into the maritime prison, which was a hole in the ground that they used. But it says it stayed there. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul was in prison and he didn't stop because the story wasn't over yet. The story's not over today either. We continue to proclaim. We continue to. To proclaim the kingdom of God. To teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. With boldness and without hindrance. Because the story's not over yet. I have said this a thousand times. And I will keep saying it. If you have blood flowing. If you are breathing. The story's not over. The job's not done. And so as we end Acts. We continue to be Acts. No matter what the world throws at us, no matter what hurricane comes down the pike at our lives in the next months or years, we continue to proclaim until the day when we don't have to anymore because I promise you that day is coming. I promise you there is a day when everyone will believe what we have known all along because my Bible says that there's a day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And on that day, there will not be any more doubt on that day, everything that's wrong will be set right. But until then, the story continues, and we just have to be obedient. Augustine said this. He said, trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to God's providence. The story continues through us as long as we stay obedient and keep moving forward. I don't know where you're at today. I hope you're encouraged that the storms that are happening and, and everything that's going on in life, that there's a sovereign God in control. 
and that he has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for this church or wherever you are from. He has a plan there. And we just have to continue carrying on this story, just marching out, knowing that our God is faithful, that we take care of ourselves. We take care of each other. We take care of all those we can take care of, and we trust God. We have a little saying always whenever we do budget and all this stuff here that I always put on says we do with what we have and we trust God for the rest. I pray that will be you wherever you're at, whatever you do with what you have and you trust God for the rest. And with that, 20 people can change the world. If you don't believe me, go back to the beginning of Acts and see what happened. Let's pray.